All right, tonight, Lord willing, we will conclude the overview of the book of Proverbs. And uh, then from there, we will go to what I believe is the most crucial part of our entire study, and that is the look at the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs. If you don't grab the first seven books of, Prover of, of the book of Proverbs, you won't grab the book of Proverbs at all. You just won't understand it properly. So we'll, we'll be going from the overview to that. And then I believe at that stage, we will be in a proper position, I feel, having studied what we have, to do the topical study that will be before us uh, in looking through the book of Proverbs. So we are coming to the end of this uh, foundational information that while it can bog us down a little bit, is very important in understanding particularly this particular book. And after this, we will go through the first seven verses, which by its own introduction explains the book of Proverbs. And then we, I believe, will be in a good position to really do a topical study on it. So let's consider what we have learned since we are coming to that conclusion here tonight. We know that we need wisdom to live life profitably. In order to live life properly, especially as it relates, and we've seen this, to be pleasing to God. You know, when we go through life and our life comes to an end, there isn't a human being that I know of that doesn't look back and want to see that their life has had some meaning to it and has had some profitability. Well, how can we live a life that is profitable, and in particular, in relationship to God? Well, we need wisdom in order to do that. That is very clear. And to do that, we cannot just rely, in order to live a life of wisdom, we have seen in our introduction so far, that we cannot just rely on knowledge and advantage. And unfortunately, that is where most people are living. They are going through life, they are relying simply on their knowledge and experience and the advantages that are given to them in order to be successful in life. And if that's all you have, you will not have a life, certainly, that is profitable when it comes to you meeting your maker. It will not be that at all. And we saw that because if we are relying on wealth, if we are relying on fame, if we are relying on giftedness, if we are relying on privilege, certainly nobody had those things any better than Solomon. And we took the time with you to show how Solomon, with all of those advantages, still did not, near the end of his life, live very wisely. And that is true for us today by application as well. We live in the United States of America. We have freedom that other people don't have. We have the Bible. In fact, Kurt and I were talking tonight about a different version of the Bible and so forth, and you've heard me say many times the, the ability through technology to have the Bible in so many different languages and so much study available to us that's all advantage. We have those advantages. We have the advantage of being in a free country. We have the advantage of teaching. And you may not think so. And there are, let me qualify what I'm going to say. There are a number of places right in this area that are teaching faithfully the word of God. Praise God for that. But when you universally take the church, and when you even go throughout the United States, and you look at what's out there, there is a lot of religion going on. There's a lot of action going on, but there is not very much depth to the teaching. And the more we have, the more we are accountable to. 
So you can have the depth of teaching, you can have the freedom of the U.S., you can have your Bible, and all of that is great and terrific to have, and still not have a life that is profitable in its end. You can't just rely on that. So where do the sources of wisdom come from? Where do we get the wisdom? Well, as we've been progressing in the foundational information, we saw that there's primarily two places. One is earthly wisdom, and the other is from God, plain and simple. You can't get any simpler than that. There is wisdom that comes from God, and there is wisdom that comes from this world. And no matter how you slice it, the wisdom that comes from below or the wisdom that comes from the earth is finite. It is from man. It is built upon experience. It's what results in philosophy. And all of that is helpful. We are not saying that that is not helpful. Even as a Christian, there's a tendency to put that aside. That's foolish to do that. We can learn some things from it, but it's limited. But however, we've also learned that wisdom that comes from above is infinite. It is the best wisdom that you can get. It's pure, etc., and so forth, as we saw in the book of James. So the wisdom of God is what we really want. So if that's the case, and we want to live a life that's profitable, and we want to live a life that's pleasing to God, and the best source of getting the wisdom to do that comes from God, then we then took it to the next step. Where do we get God's wisdom? Well, again, that's pretty obvious as we begin to look at it. Number one, we can get it directly from God himself. And God has chosen to do that with certain people. And he has chosen uh, to do that where he would speak one-on-one. -on -one. In spite of what you may hear from many people today, and maybe I should qualify that and say a number of people today, God is not speaking. Can God speak directly? The answer is yes, he can, but he is not, even though people would claim that. God can speak directly like he did to Moses, like he did with his apostles. Obviously, that would be the best wisdom to get directly from God. The second source would be the Bible, obviously, where God has inspired the recording of his words so that we can go there. And that's what we are to do and to take advantage of. And just like the Israelites were responsible for whatever revelation had been given to them, we are responsible, and that's where we can go. If you want to know how to be a husband, a wife, a child, in, in pleasing to God, how to be a good employer, how to be a good employee, how to be a good neighbor, get the wisdom from God, get the wisdom from God's word, and if we spent time there, we would do well. We also said a third source of God's wisdom comes from his manual, which is specifically where we are, the book of Proverbs. He has chosen, us, chosen to give us books of wisdom, one in particular that deals with Proverbs, and that is the book of Proverbs. And we also concluded that you can get it from people, as we will learn in this book, who know God's word, and this is so important, who rightly divide it. There's a lot of people that will quote from Scripture. There are many false religions that quote from Scripture. So just using Scripture is not the key. It's rightly dividing it. Our concentration, then, is on the book of Proverbs and on its manual. Last time I was with you, we had the first part of the overview, and I didn't have time to finish that, and as I said, Lord willing, we'll finish it tonight. So in the overview, and again, once we've had this set, we're, we're ready to jump into the first seven verses and then to do our topical study. And hopefully this will be profitable to you. Uh, it's not just information. 
On part one of the overview, we learn what the word proverb means. It means to be like. And I will repeat this to you as a definition because I gave it to you before. What a proverb is, so it's so important to have it in our mind, it's a simple statement to reveal a profound truth. It's a simple statement, that's for the benefit of those who weren't here, a simple statement that is given to reveal a profound truth by using tangible images of life. It's just a simple statement, but it has a very profound truth, and the way it does it is by using simple, tangible images of life. And I've already had some feedback on this one. You want to grab this one again. You'll see it tonight, Lord willing. The book of Proverbs is generalities. It is not a guarantee in this life. Hold on to that one. There's been many a parent that have browbeat themselves over the famous passage, train up the child in a way he shall go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And many a parent that have beat themselves up because when their child's gone astray later on, they're saying, it was me, I did it wrong, etc., etc." or the book of Proverbs is, can't be relied upon. It's not true. They are generalities, they're not guarantees. Last time we were together, we took a brief look at the literary form. And I'm not going to spend time on that tonight, but just to remind you that the Proverbs are different lengths. And you will not interpret the book of Proverbs properly if you don't have that. Some of the Proverbs are simply two lines. Some of the Proverbs are four lines. Some of them are six, etc. We started to show you that. Okay? And if you don't take the whole proverb together, and while six or eight lines may appear to be pretty long, it's really not when you see the profound truth that is being taught. The second thing we noticed is the parallelism, that there are parallels. So as the proverbs are being presented, sometimes the first line is identical to the second. Sometimes it's the opposite of the second. And that will help you to understand the proverb. Or sometimes it can be comparative. Those are just three of the ones that we showed you. We also took time, and just two more things, and then we're into tonight's second half. Two more things that we learned is that there are, there are other proverbs in the Bible. So don't think that this is it. And I took the time last time, so I'm not going to do it again. There are proverbs both in the Old Testament and in the New. This just happens to be a book in which the concentration is on proverbs. But the Lord himself used proverbs in his teaching. Proverbs that were known for that day in the New Testament. He used them as well in the Old Testament. And the last thing we concluded on part one of our overview is that in Proverbs, and you can turn there for the beginning, Proverbs chapter one and in verse seven, we saw that the book both starts and finishes really with the motto or with the theme to the book, which is what? It is the fear of God. And in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then fools despise wisdom and instruction. And since I'm going to talk more about that when I get to the first seven verses, I'll leave it for that stage other than to say this. There's the theme of the book. You will not have a profitable life. You will not have a life that is pleasing to God if you are not walking in the fear of God, guaranteed. That's for all of us. So that's where we left off. So we pick it up here tonight 
and conclude with a couple of other things that I think will be very important for you in your own personal study and for us as we study it collectively. So the next point, what is it in the overview? It is this, the primary audience. What is the primary audience of the book of Proverbs? The primary audience, listen carefully, is youth. The book of Proverbs is designed so that you would have the longest possible life of understanding what a profitable life is like. That does not mean that the book is not for everyone. It is for everyone, obviously. But the earlier we learn what is taught here, the more productive and the better our life will be in walking in wisdom. Let me show you what I'm talking about in sample form, it is everywhere in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1, verse 8. Follow me. The primary audience is youth. Proverbs 1, 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Chapter 2, verse 1. Turn there. My son, if you will receive my words... Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Proverbs 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father. Now, I could keep going like that even early on. You'll see I'm just going to skip some chapters to show you that it goes everywhere through just to sample it. Go to chapter 10, verse 1 that we opened up with. The Proverbs of Solomon... A wise son makes a father glad. Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise son accepts his father's discipline. Proverbs 31. And it's plenty in between. I'm just, again, sampling it. Because we could spend all night just on this point. Proverbs 31, the very end of the book, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, now watch, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O oh my son? Verse 2. See? So the primary audience as you're going through the book of Proverbs, so if you want to teach your family, if you want a good book to really develop your child's upbringing, or, and this is so crucial today, you have teenagers or you know teenagers that are struggling in life, direct them to the book of Proverbs. The primary audience of this book is to teach them how to live a wise life, a profitable and productive life in many, many areas that we will study. So that is the primary audience. And again, that doesn't mean so, oh, good, the adults don't have to come anymore. Not at all. Every day we learn from the book of Proverbs it can be more productive in our life. The key is this. The earlier you learn these things, the better off you're going to be. Okay? Secondly, uh, that the primary audience was the youth. Now, what is he dealing with? What type of people? That's secondly. The primary type of people that he deals with are three different types. Catch this. Because it's really three different types of youth, but we also see this as three types of adults. 
There are three primary types of people addressed in the book. Who are they? Number one, the wise. There it is. The wise. Who are they? You may want to jot a couple of notes because you will see it as we study together. Who are the wise that are addressed? The wise, and you might under, underline this word, they are the skilled. Skilled. You're going to see that word when we start in chapter 1. They are the skilled in making sound decisions. The wise that are referred to in the book are those that are skilled people in making sound decisions which do the following. And listen carefully. Those sound decisions which, number one, honor God. Number two, treat men properly, men being generic or universal, mankind. They are skilled in making decisions in their life that first of all honor God, secondly, that treat fellow human beings properly. Thirdly, that bring life that is satisfying to themselves because of the skill and decisions they make. That brings a satisfying life to self. And fourthly, they make skilled and sound decisions and how this is missing today, that reflect integrity. In other words, a consistent life, not a two-faced life. That is a wise person. And throughout the book, we're going to see wise, wisdom, wise, wise, wise. What is it talking about? And to put it very bluntly here, in other words, a young person is wise only when he is skilled in making decisions, sound decisions, that honor God, that treat his fellow man properly, that reflects a life of integrity, which will bring satisfaction. And the bottom line is this, results in a life that's worth following. That's the wise person. It's a, it's a life that is worth following. And you will find in scripture that even in the New Testament, it talks about follow my example, follow my example. And I'll tell you, young people, rather than, and we haven't got a lot of young people here tonight, but in fact, they're in another room. But I will pass this on to you. We ought to be training in our children rather than having football heroes and basketball heroes or Daytona 500 heroes or whatever it might be for heroes, skiing heroes, whatever you want to put on it, rock heroes, what we ought to put on their life is put before them examples of lives that have been lived wisely for the glory of God that have treated men, etc. The second type of person that's presented in the book, as you well can imagine and know, is the fool. So we will see in the book that he's primarily directing it to youth. They can be wise. The second one is there is the fool. Who is the fool? It is those who refuse to follow instruction. And by the way, we all will fit into some of these categories at times. 
Some of our actions are foolish. But the fool is referred to as the one that is refusing to follow instruction. And what you will find as we study together, the fool is self-centered. Everything is about me and satisfying me and making me happy. It's just the opposite of the wise person. The wise person is about everybody else. The fool is the one that centers everything around themselves. The fool is the one who refuses instructions and pursues evil. They pursue evil rather than satisfying God. Thirdly, and I think this one's very important as you look through the book of Proverbs, they do not consider the consequences of their actions. The fool is the one who acts and then regrets what he's done. And tragedy of tragedies, number four, the fool in this book is presented as the one that leads others astray. Not leading to a life of integrity, but leads others astray and into folly themselves. Bottom line on this one, it is a life of grief, it is a life of hardship, and it's a life to be avoided. So as the book of Proverbs presents these Proverbs and presents it, over and over you'll be seeing the wise person pointing out that this is the life to follow. Then you'll see the fool come up and you'll see the things that I mentioned, self-centeredness. You'll see uh, pursuing evil, not worrying about the decisions. I'm just going to do this. And then when the consequences come, they're faced. Or leads others astray. That's the life to be avoided. And that's what's instructed to the young person. The third category, the third category that you find, or the third type of person, does anybody know what it is? Someone said it. The simple. The wise, and by the way, all of us fall into this category time after time. We're not always wise. But when we're not wise, we're either foolish or we're simple. But again, it's directed to the young people. So the third category is the simple. Now, what is the simple as he presents it in the book of Proverbs? They are what is called the naive. The naive. Now listen carefully because this is catching too many people today. And I honestly, I guess in a sense I have to apologize to the congregation and especially the Board of Elders because so many times, because in preparation of my study and everything else, I've been seeing these terms and I kept using the term naive over and over and over again. So. I know a lot of you men say, why does he keep using that? That's what happened in my study. So anyway. But the simple with the na naive, they're the easily influenced. They are not firmly committed. That's what you'll find. Easily influenced. One way or the other. They are not firmly committed. They won't commit themselves to do what's right. Neither will they necessarily commit themselves to do what's wrong. These are referred to as naive people. Whenever we're into that category, we just can't commit. We're naive. It is proper use of the term. We're simple. 
What is that? Listen carefully, because that's what you'll see as we study it. The simple is a life that will not apply itself to discipline. You're going to see when we get into the next part of our study, which is the first six verses, and I've repeated this to you two or three times to prepare you, if there's no discipline in your life, you're in trouble. And if we're honest, think of the audience, what are most young people like? Or what don't they want? Same thing I didn't want. Discipline. We don't want rules. We don't want discipline. We don't want hard work. We want everything given to us. That's why he's given the other book. Because the simple person is the one that will not apply himself to discipline, and yet he's expecting that everything will just work out well. This type of person in the book of Proverbs is presented in this way, lazy, slothful, full of excuses. The world is seen as being against them. And that everyone is out to get them. That's the simple person. And so when you go through, those are just some of the terms that you're going to see. And I know many of you have read Proverbs, so you're probably starting to recognize some of the words now and so forth. But you'll see as it goes through, it's directing it to the youngest people. And it's saying they want you to be wise. They want you to make wise choices. They want you to make good choices that honor God, that respect men, and that it'll be a life of integrity. And don't be a fool. Don't be one that ignores that and just wor doesn't worry about anything and makes wrong decisions and you lead people astray and so forth, nor should you be the simple person. The simple person's the one that just won't apply themselves to discipline. They just think, I'll just let things go and everything will work itself out somehow. That's a simple-minded, naive person that's in for some tragedy in the long run. That's what the book will present to us. So it's a very, very practical book because we have that in our lives from time to time. Sometimes we're very wise. Other times we're pretty foolish. And there's other times that we're just naive. We think, ah, I can get along. I'll be okay. And that's the type of person, honestly, so you examine your own life, all of us, that's the type of person that's always complaining. The type of person that you see, if you see your life complaining about everything, you are in a naive position by scriptural definition. You're a simple person that's not applying yourself the way you should. Everybody owes you everything, and you won't work for anything because it takes hard work. Let me give you three more things, and we'll be done with the overview, but they're three big ones. The first one's simple. I shouldn't say three big ones. The first one, how do you get a simple outline out of a book like this? Well, I've gone over and over this before. I actually looked at the outline that I gave you when I did the survey of the scriptures and so forth. I've even revised that. That's the fun of studying the word of God to me. I just keep going back in it fresh, so you know that I'm fresh when I'm going in. I, I couldn't get it any smaller than eight when I really studied it this time through. Now, don't worry about it. If you don't get it all, Pastor Dan, you know, I don't have an electric pencil and so forth. Get it off the disc or tape or whatever, uh, because if I take all the time 
to really go slowly on this. I won't get to the two more crucial things for you. But here it is. What is the outline of the book? Well, number one is the introduction and purpose of the book itself. That's chapter one, verses one through seven. That's why I'm going to take the time to go through that part of it verse by verse. Chapter one, verses one through seven is the book's introduction and purpose. Number two, this is important and is often missed. Listen to me carefully. The second part of the outline of this book is the appeal to listen to wisdom. That's my own wording. You'll find it in different ways, different forms, or whatever, if you look elsewhere. It's the appeal to listen to wisdom. From chapter 1, now catch this, verse 8, all the way through chapter 9, those are not Proverbs. Did you hear that? That's an appeal. There is from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 9, an appeal, that's how desperate it is, of a father to a son, would you listen? Or, if you will, to Christians, will you just listen and pay attention? It's an appeal. Eight to nine chapters of saying, listen to sound wisdom. Don't let your life go the wrong way. You want a place to appeal to a young person? Go to the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. So where do the Proverbs start? Chapter 10, verse 1. That's why I opened up with it. From chapter 10, verse 1, through chapter 22, verse 16, are the Proverbs of Solomon. Go there, just to look at it quick. I want you to just see this couple of divisions here. Chapter 10, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon. That's where it starts. And by the way, there's 375 of them. From chapter 10, verse 1, through chapter 22, verse 16. Then what have you got? Chapter 22, Verse 17 is the fourth division to the book. You might not catch it at first, and I'll show you why tonight very briefly. 22.17, it says, Incline your ear and hear the words of wisdom and apply your mind to my knowledge. Well, isn't that still part of what Solomon's talking about? No, it is not. It's actually a new division called the words of wisdom, and it goes through chapter 24, verse 22. And what helps us out is chapter 24, verse 23, which is the fifth division. What is it? Take a look at it, 24, 23. These also are the sayings of wisdom. To show partiality and judgment is not good. So what you have is the words of wisdom from chapter 22, 17 to 24, 22. And then you have additional this is the fifth division, additional words of wisdom in chapter 24, verse 23 to the end. Then what? Division 6. What's that? Turn there to chapter 25, verse 1. It tells you, these also are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, transcribed. So we have the Solomon's Proverbs in chapters 10 through 22, and we come to the Proverbs of Solomon as collected or collated, whatever terminology you want to put on it, by Hezekiah's men, chapter 25, 1 through chapter 29. 
It's the second section of Solomon's Proverbs. Two more sections. Chapter 29, I'm sorry, number, number 7, chapter 30, verse 1, or the entire chapter. These are the words, if you look at verse 1, the words of Agur, son of Jachin, the oracle. And that's what chapter 30 is. It's the Proverbs of Agur. And then chapter 31, which is well known, and I already read it to you, these are the Proverbs of Lemuel. Chapter 31. So there is your outline for the book. And what you can see, obviously, you know that these aren't all the Proverbs of Solomon. These aren't only the Proverbs of Solomon. The book of Proverbs is a collection of Proverbs from Solomon, words of wise men, and Proverbs of Agar and Lemuel, all of which are under the inspired word of God. Let me get to the final two points, and I think the crucial ones that are more important for you to know. Next point is how to read the book of Proverbs. How should I read the book of Proverbs? Now, you may disagree with these, but I want to demonstrate it to you, and I'm only going to give you five points quickly. Number one, how to read the book of Proverbs. Use common sense. What? Learn what we've learned already. They are not guarantees. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example of ones that we talk about. I, I used this one, I think, already with you. Look before you leap. That's a proverb. What happens if you don't look and you leap? Are you going to die? Not necessarily. You leap off a cliff, you might. You leap off a curb, you might not. What does that mean? It's a proverb. It's not wise to just leap without looking. Now listen to this. If I happen to leap out a window without looking, and I only go three feet down and nothing happens. Do I then say, well, that's a stupid proverb. It never works. Of course not. You don't throw the proverb out, right? You need to understand that. It's the same thing with the word of God. These are proverbs. They're not guarantees. And you don't throw it out because one time it didn't work. Well, I tried bringing up my children, and they went astray. Obviously, the proverb doesn't work. Throw it away. Not so. You'd never do that with a proverb. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't know if I should touch that one, right? <laughs> what really that proverb means is because something's a problem, you don't throw away a good thing. That's really what it means. You didn't know that. Why is it you don't throw the baby? The baby's a good thing. But when a baby cries, you don't throw it out. Or when the baby's dirty, you don't throw it out with the water. You don't do that just because problems came along. Let me show you from the book of Proverbs. Go with me to Proverbs 30, verse 17. Quickly, come on. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks his father and scorns his mother, the ravens of the valley will pluck it out, and the young eagles will eat it. That's it. How many of you have lost an eye I had a raven pluck it out and then an eagle eat it after you cursed your father or mocked 
your father or mother. I'm so thankful that I didn't lose my eyes. I'll be honest with you, before I was saved, I had no problem with that. But you say, Pastor Dan, that's obvious. It's a proverb. But if you're going to take it as guaranteed, and you can't take any other proverbs, you turn around. You know, for example, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your own understanding. Those are the ones that we quote. Well, if this is a guarantee, then every time a father is mocked by his son or a son scorns his mother, you better expect a raven to come down and pluck that eye right out. By the way, do you know really what the proverb meant? They are dead. In case you didn't know that. That's really what the proverb means. Because dead bodies were found in the wilderness, and guess what? The ravens go for the eyes first. You'll see that with roadkill, by the way. A lot of times they'll come back and eat them later, but the first thing they do is they land, pluck the eyes out to make sure that they can't see what's going to happen. The eyes are gone. You watch roadkill, you'll see it. That's what the proverb's dealing with. It's basically saying that if a child mocks his father or mother, you're going to find them dead. But it doesn't always turn out that way. Go with me to Proverbs 16, verse 5. I just use the word common sense so you realize that it's based upon everything else I've been teaching you so far. Chapter 16, verse 5. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Yes. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Well, you have a psalm that deals with that, right? Why do they seem to prosper? They don't seem to be punished. Well, in the long run they will, but they may not be right now. But it is still always abominable in the eyes of the Lord. But they may go unpunished in this world and God may allow that. I could give you others. Point number two. Realize when you're reading Proverbs that Proverbs are not exhaustive. That's important. In other words, you can't just look at one proverb and that's the end of the teaching on it. Let me demonstrate that to you. Go to Proverbs 17. Verse 8. A bribe is a charm in the sight of the owner. When he turns, he prospers. Is that it? Well, look at, look at Proverbs 17, the very same proverb, if you will. Look at verse 23. That's not the only teaching. See, because if you left it right there, you'd say, well, you see what happens. It turns and he prospers. Oh, really? Look at verse 23. Same teaching on the same subject. A wicked man receives a bribe. A wicked man from the bosom. Why? To pervert the ways of justice. So in order to get the teaching on bribery, you can't just rely on one verse. You have to take them all. They're not meant to be exhaustive. Thirdly, realize that some of the Proverbs are difficult in our culture. You have to understand them in their culture. Go to chapter 16 again. I tried to take them nearby. Go to verse 30. He who winks the eyes does so to devise perverse things. He who compresses his lips brings evil to pass. Is that always true? You have to understand it in its culture. Not everybody that winks the eye is looking at a perverse thing. 
Sometimes it's actually meant to show people today the way we use it. We don't use it in that. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It may or may not be. In their culture, the winking of the eye was evil. And we'll, we could see why if we get there. But understand that you have to understand it in its own culture. Here's another one. Fourth, two more. Read the book of Proverbs slowly and in short portions. The book of Proverbs is not meant to sit down and read the book of Proverbs in one day. It will overwhelm you. Too much of it will overwhelm you. It's very difficult even to read an entire chapter. And if you do, you probably haven't meditated on half of it because it's only meant to be short and to be slow. And I gave you some that we read, so I won't go back to them. But the fifth point on reading the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, since they are not guarantees, are normally, get this, normally true now. Ultimately, always. In other words, if punishment isn't seen now, it will be in God's timing. And things will turn out different in eternity, just the way the scriptures say. But oftentimes, we mess up because we look at the book of Proverbs and we take it as a promise that ultimately has to happen now. That's not the way to read the book of Proverbs. Last point, and I'm going to ask you, Grace, so I can finish this off. And then we'll be set to deal with the first seven verses and then to do a topical study. And I know some of it's quick again, but it's on the tape. Well, then how do you interpret the book of Proverbs? Well, same place you would, same way you would any place else. I am to read it literally and to interpret according to context. Read it literally and interpret it according to context, number one. What does that mean? You're a well-enough-taught church that you should understand this. It means that we need to look at the language, the culture, the historical setting in order to understand the proverb properly. So I read it literally. I take it literally, just like I would any other book of the Bible. But I put it in its context. What was that proverb teaching? What was the culture behind it? What was the historic setting? Number two for interpretation. It is not an absolute. It is a proverb. Self-explanatory, you've heard enough on that. But in interpreting, it's a proverb. Three, recognize that there are figures of speech and poetry. That's because we're dealing with the Hebrew. So in, in some cases, it's a figure of speech that's used. Just like when I say uh, uh, to somebody, I could eat a horse, we know what we mean. Well, especially if you can understand what I said. You know what I mean, okay? We know that we're not saying I'm going to literally go eat that horse, okay? So figures of speech are also used. You need to understand that. Number four, determine the original intent first. What was the intent of the proverb? And then apply it. All too often we do the reverse. Somebody goes to the book of Proverbs, reads the proverb, applies it, and they never took the time to find out what that meant in its culture, how it fit, what he was saying, and they go and misinterpret it. Always try to get the original intent, just like any other passage of scripture, then apply it.
Number five is very similar to what I just said. When you're digesting the book of Proverbs and trying to interpret it, take a small portion at a time. Interpret the individual proverb. I don't know if you ever heard the expression. That's one of the problems that happened in the New Testament, actually, with parables. Have you ever heard the expression, don't make a parable walk on all fours? I've seen many fundamentalists do that. They take a proverb and they say, well, the tree means this, the grass means this, this means that, this means this, this one's referring to Satan, that one's referring, where'd you come up with that? Well, elsewhere in scripture, well, wait a minute, that's not what he's talking about at all. I'll give you an example. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Many, many interpret that and say, well, leaven's a bad thing in scripture. No, it's not in that passage. It says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. That's a good thing. And what he's teaching there is that it starts small and expands. It's not dealing with it in a negative attitude at all. Be careful. Okay? And sometimes people try to do that with Proverbs. Same thing happens with, I mean, with, with parables. Same thing happens with Proverbs. Interpret them as a proverb at a time. What do you do if it's unclear? Because it's possible. You just don't even know what it's talking about. And, and what should you do? Well, it's all available today. Check any good language study, Bible, study Bible, uh, or a good commentary. If you're not sure, don't try to make it mean something. Try to look it up. Number seven, always underline, always underline, always underline. Always compare with other biblical teaching on the subject. So when you're going through and you see maybe it's dealing with how to do something on the job or how to use your tongue. Let me give you that one. It's a simple one because the tongue is spoken a lot of in the book of Proverbs. Where do you think you'd go in the New Testament to start comparing if he started to talk about the tongue? Somebody. James. Good, good response. Why? There's more teaching on the tongue in James. See? So if you're looking for clarification when you're trying to interpret it, realize this isn't the only teaching. Compare it with other passages of Scripture. Same principles that would follow for anything else. But this one's crucial, number eight. And any good commentary that I consulted, any Bible study on the book of Proverbs that I studied, this was always one that they emphasized, and this is one that I want to emphasize to you. Do not develop doctrine solely on the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is what it is. Doesn't mean you can't learn. Doesn't mean, obviously, you can. We, we will know the heart of God by studying this. We will know how to treat our wives. We will know how to behave at work. We will learn what God hates and what he like, dislikes. I, I'm sorry, what he likes. But don't just surround and go to the book of Proverbs and develop a whole doctrine. And again, I come back to you, parents. Often that's done in Proverbs. There's no consultation with the book of Colossians. No consultation with the, the book of Ephesians. No consultation with the New Testament teaching on child rearing. And the only passage that's known is the one that I trained the child in the way he should go, and he didn't go there. It's because they're building a doctrine on one verse. 
Don't do it. Never use for selfish gain. That should be obvious. The scriptures in the book of Proverbs is designed for wise and godly living. So I should be going to it, and you might say, that's kind of a strange one, Pastor Dan. No, it's not. Because again, just like you can misuse scripture and misinterpret the New Testament, it can be done with the book of Proverbs if you don't finish the whole proverb, number one. Number two, if you don't understand what the proverb meant, and then you apply it to try to gain, like I just showed you a little bit earlier, for example. A bribe. Well, the one that gets the bribe always prospers. That's not the end of the teaching on it, folks. Not even in the book of Proverbs. So be careful. And the last one I'll give you is just like anything else you would interpret scripture. It is not opinion. So while it's not a guarantee, it's just like I said about jumping out the window. You don't throw the proverb out. If you find out that I've been following God's word and instruction and it didn't work out in your life, well, you know from other teaching, maybe God is allowing a trial to come into your life so you can grow. That doesn't mean that that principle that was taught in the book of Proverbs is still not consistently true. It is. There, like with anything else, there's, there may be an exception to the proverb, and there are. It doesn't always turn out that a raven is plucking out the eye of, the eye of a child because he's been disobedient. God may choose to be gracious in a particular situation. And, it, and, and probably one that we could understand was David. David deserved death. God was gracious. Why? Because he was gracious, plain and simple. You wouldn't have Psalm 51 if it wasn't for that and other things. And there's other situations. You go all the way back to Cain and Abel. Should have been death. God graciously preserved that life and went a step further, answered the guy's prayer while he was in sin and said, you know what? If anybody touches you, they'll deal with me. I will put a mark on you. God graciously answered a prayer of a person that was in sin. Normally, he doesn't. God can always do that. So understand that when you're going through the book of Proverbs. Hopefully, some of these things will help you. I know they're foundational. It's a lot to go through. But I think it'll help you as we go through and uh, particularly apply some of these Proverbs in a topical study to understand what God is getting across in some areas. Lord willing, next time I'm with you to teach uh, in the book of Proverbs, we will go right back to the beginning. And I'll spend time on the first seven verses because in those verses is the crux of really what you need to learn about the book of Proverbs and about our Christian walk. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the patience of the people tonight. Thank you for this wonderful book that you've given us, which is your manual for understanding wisdom. We thank you that we have the entire Bible, but you have chosen to give us one particular book to give us some instruction on how to live a life that's pleasing and profitable, pleasing to you, and will be profitable even before men. Will be profitable to ourselves as we look back on it. Will result in a life of integrity if we follow its principles. And we thank you and praise you. We have the ability to study it together. We pray you bless in the days ahead as we look into it. We also thank you for the refreshment that you provided tonight. Pray you bless that as we fellowship one with another. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.